Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events. The list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com and Captain Jack Andrews' favorite podcast with a name that ends in a preposition. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst Diamond Jeff Edelstein. And Jeff, I was a little bummed about the way the Super Bowl ended for a brief moment there Sunday night, but then I woke up Monday morning and found a $5 free bet in my FanDuel account, despite Rob Gronkowski missing the kick of destiny. And it made all the pain go away. To sportsbook operators who pay attention to actual results on the field, people like Jay Cornegay and Jeff Benson, I say screw you. Win or lose, we should always be rewarded with free bets. Uh, Jeff, I assume you too got the $5 free bet on Monday. And would I then be correct to assume you told your Eagles-loving daughter about it and it eased all of her pain? Uh, No, I, I did <laughs> not tell my... Eagles daughter. I, I, I now I'm looking actually. I, I, I used that five dollar bet last night. I lost. Uh, all right, no. <laughs> so you got uh, nothing. Okay. I got nothing. Yeah. No. The 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 my daughter that was horrible. She's twelve. She decided to become a huge Eagles fan. Uh, it, it was. I mean, so Hertz throws this desperation pass at the end of the game. I mean, come on, the Sirianni. They don't. They, you don't have a better idea than Hertz throwing the ball like you know a little flea flicker, a little razzle dazzle. Anyway, it's the game ends. I tell my daughter it's over. And she's like, they lost? And I said, yeah, they lost. 
She stands up from the couch, starts screaming and crying, runs to the kitchen, collapses on the floor crying in front of the dishwasher, <laughs> then stands up while I'm trying to console her, face plants herself into the couch. Mm-hmm. Un- inconsol- unconsolable? She, I think I think inconsolable, but also there unconsolable. Was, there was not to be a console <laughs> found. Um, and the worst part is that I grew up a Giants fan, you know, and now she's got me rooting for the Eagles and they freaking blow it and, and that's that so yeah let's uh, moving on the eagles i i they, they destroyed my family that's all i gotta say well that's that's what they do um yeah the, the the photo that you posted on social media of her with her entire head buried in the couch <laughs> cushions i mean i can relate um look i didn't want to argue with you and chris christie when you started talking about the pain of being a mets fan i wasn't going to try to one up you guys uh, it was You're the wrong close it was the wrong time for it because the eagles right. were about to play in the super bowl and the phillies had just played in the World Series, there was this general perception that Philly sports was having a moment. Um, But being a Philly sports fan is mostly pain and suffering. We have four sports teams since the spring of 83, when the Sixers won, when I was in second grade, the big four Philly teams have been to 13 finals and lost 11 of them. Hmm. They went uh, 25 years, 100 sports seasons uh, without a title before the Phillies won in 08. Now, I know we are not the most tortured fan base. I cannot one up a Mets and Jets fan uh, or various other fan bases. But I do want to be clear that being a Philly sports fan is mostly suffering and frustration. And so if there is still time to redirect your daughter's rooting interests or, or buy her a new Build-A-Bear for a different team in a different city, uh, I would recommend it. But but hey, FanDuel gave me a $5 free bet, which has an expected value of a little under $2.50. So uh, I'm fine. It's all good. I'm fine. Yeah, Boo-hoo in your 13 finals appearances over the last 15 years or whatever. Boo-hoo. <laughs> Boo-hoo. Come on. 2-11 and 11 in the finals is a pretty horrendous record. Yeah, it is, but at least you got there, you know. Yeah. You you think you want to get there until you get there a lot and then you lose a lot. I get I don't know what's worse. I don't know if it's worse to just be the Jets and suck all the time or to come close and fall short. I don't know. It, it all the, sucks. The best is do what I do. I don't care anymore. I just right. you know, I, I just root for my money. That's it. There you go. All right. Um thank you to everyone out there for joining us for episode number 229 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 228 episodes, they're all available on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. We are the podcast that constantly shanks the kick but pretends to be a winner anyway, and your five-star ratings are instrumental in helping us lie to ourselves, so please keep them coming. All right, coming up a little later on the show, we're going to be joined by Cypher Sports COO and co-founder Katie Proud, who will fill us in on our company what she does and what it's like being a woman in a, this is a spoiler alert, male dominated (laughs) field. Uh, But first, Eric, as always, plenty of news to discuss. Let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. We're going to lead off the news segment this week with a major late-breaking story. On Wednesday night, State Senator Joseph Adabo introduced the highly anticipated New York online casino bill. This comes on the heels of New York setting the all-time single-month sports betting handle record in January with $1.8 billion wagered, and the state is making enormous tax revenue off mobile sports betting, but they want more, and iCasino is the way to get it. We're still sifting through the details. We'll surely have more detailed analysis in the weeks ahead. But here are the key points. It comes with a tax rate of 30.5%, roughly double what other online casino states have. Online poker is not part of this. That would be potentially legalized through a separate bill that was filed in January. 
all the current sports betting license holders, as well as land-based casinos, tribes, and racinos, will have access to licenses for a $2 million fee. And three additional licenses will be available through a competitive bidding process. As I said, we haven't had much time to process this, but uh, Jeff, what's your instant reaction, particularly to New York once again trying to dwarf everyone else's tax rates? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed that he got this bill out there. Uh, you know, it's not in the governor's budget this year. So, I mean, there's already talk that, like, you know, it may not get through. But I, I think it's moving faster than anyone in the industry really anticipated. Um, so who knows, right? As far as the tax rate goes, listen, I, I think the casino tax rate should be, you know, pretty high because, you know, these these companies are, are you know, they're printing money. You know, I'm all for keeping that sports book tax rate down. 50% in New York is, you know, I don't know if it's tenable long term, you know, especially right. if you want competition. But the 30% tax rate for casinos, I mean, no, no online casino is going to say, you know, they're not going to turn their nose at that because it, you just print money with an online casino. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is this, this is potentially, you know, pretty big news. You know, obviously become the biggest casino state. And I think, you know, again, I'm sure other, you know, uh, legislators in other states are going to be watching this pretty closely because if New York gets it, you know, I think it kind of opens the floodgates. It'll also open the floodgates to, you know, the, the rash of think pieces that we've been seeing lately about how, uh, you know, gambling is ruining America. Right. It's topic for another day. But uh, no, I don't know. I'm ha The tax rate doesn't bother me. I'm glad to see that he got the bill you know, off the ground. And uh, I kind of hope it passes this year. I think it would be great. Yeah. If the New York Times uh, decided to write a whole bunch of stuff uh, about sports betting, just wait till the till online casino <laughs> comes to the state. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's as you said, I mean, it's a pure moneymaker for the operators. Um, it's not like sports betting where you can have a losing month. And and if you aren't one of the top several books, you may not be making enough money to cover your costs and stay in business. Even the smaller iCasinos are positive revenue generators. I have yet to hear about an online casino pulling out of a market. So I think that 30.5% rate, that's probably a winning gamble for Adabo to, to shoot for that exorbitant number. In New York especially, operators are going to accept it. I'm almost surprised the license fees are so low. $2 million for 10 years uh, kind of feels like nothing. Um, I can't get a sense of, of how likely to pass this is. I mean, there's... There's always some opposition to the idea of every phone turning into a casino. And, and I get that. I mean, in my view, it most definitely is more dangerous than legalizing online sports betting. So I'll never assume that any state is 100% guaranteed to pass iCasino. But I think New York seems closer to 100% than any of the other states considering it. Although, as you said, the whole budget thing, maybe it's more of a next year thing than a this year thing. Um, if it does pass when those monthly tax revenue numbers start being reported, it's going to be such a game changer. The, the domino effect, like 10 more states are going to legalize iCasino in the next couple of years after they see New York raking it in. I, if this passes, it's the most important story in the industry in 2023, I would think. Uh, it'd be very high on the list for sure. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch. 
thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right. Uh, Next up, let's talk Super Bowl wagering. Nowhere near all the numbers in all the states are in yet, but some have arrived. Uh, Here are a few newsworthy items. In Nevada, sportsbooks won $11.3 million off $153.2 million bet on the game. Both numbers that were down about 15% from the previous year may be owing something to the game being in nearby Arizona, which now has legal wagering, or maybe just owing to a lack of massive bets in Nevada this year. In Pennsylvania, home to the aforementioned NFC champion Eagles, the handle was $84.3 million, up 24% year over year, and the books held a massive $29.7 million in revenue, owing to lopsided action on the Eagles, one assumes. Uh, GeoComply tracked 100 million geolocation checks across the country Saturday and Sunday, which was up about 25% over the previous year. At Caesar Sportsbook and Superbook, and presumably other books that didn't say so, the coin flip landing tails was a huge win for the public. Degenerates, I tells you. Uh, the first ever octopus prop hit, thanks to Jalen Hurts in the fourth quarter, costing sportsbooks that offered it between 14 to 1 and 16 to 1. SimpleBet reported $13 million in micro betting handle and 47% growth in a year over year like comparison. Those are some of the various headlines. Uh, Jeff, what caught your attention and any other notable trends or stories you saw on social media? I mean, the, the one thing that caught my attention that had me for the, like the 24 hours leading up to the game and right through the game, I, all I cared about was the color of Rihanna's dress, <laughs> uh, you know, her outfit or whatever. Now, I mean, listen, all right, I, I, we know this prop was not offered at the legal sports books. It was only offshore, but Gina Fiore, the noted pro gambler, was on a Captain Jack super stream the evening before. I, I was on it with her, you know, mm-hmm. at the same time. And, uh, you know, everyone had to come with the side and a prop. And stupid me, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm the joker here. I, I should have showed up with mashed potatoes and like a clown outfit, whatever. But it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Fiori gets up there, you know, a side and a prop. So Fiori gets uh, up there. Okay. There, there you uh, wow. Second, Slow on the uptake. Sorry. Second, okay. Second. Got it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Fiori goes up there and her prop was, and she laid it out like science that why Rihanna was going to wear pink. And it was like plus 2,500. And I wrote about it on sports handles all over Twitter. But like as she was talking about it, everyone that was on the stream apparently like went to bed. It The odds were dropping by the time like, you know, 10 minutes later, the odds were off the board. Fast forward 24 hours later, Rihanna comes out and she is wearing pink. I'm like, it's pink. And I, my wife, my kids, I said, is that pink? They're like, it's pink. And under the lights, it looked pink. But it wasn't pink. It was red. 
you know, and so there you go. Easy come, easy go. You know, you can't let these things get to you. You know, right. Gene had a good laugh about it. You, know, you can check out the story at Sports Handle. But, uh, you know, I should also mention, and I'm sure you'll make mention of this later, I hit another big parlay. This yes, one about indeed. plus 1,600. So, you know, and if Noah Gray, I was all over Noah Gray. I, was, mm. I, I had so much Noah Gray action. Ugh, if Noah Gray scored a touchdown, I don't know. I, I might have retired. I might have <laughs> gone out on top there. Okay. But anyway, on to the XFL, I say. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, all right. All right. Let give give us one more week, one more episode here to discuss various NFL fallout things before we fully move on to the XFL. <laughs> um, so so Rihanna's dress uh, made for certainly a fun gambling story. Um, I have course certainly agree with u.s operators not allowing that sort of bet that's hard to judge uh it's just not worth it to have this sort of is it pink is it red question hovering over a, a grading of a bet but um side topic here got to do a quick uh, old white guy opinion about the halftime show mm-hmm. actual good music doesn't need a hundred dancers to accompany it and entertain you when the music is good the music is the entertainment all right just saying I'll go back into my cave now and blast some Hendrix or whatever, but I uh, just, just had to get that out there. Come on, this this isn't music, people. All right, I'll, I'll move on. I just wanted to establish my uh, grumpy old white guy credentials there. Um, underreported Super Bowl betting story. Credit to our colleague Bennett Conlon for the perfect tweet on this. Uh, Gambet DC released a statement Monday morning that it had a, quote, seamless Super Bowl betting experience, and Bennett tweeted, Gambit DC is proud to announce it didn't crash during this year's Super Bowl. Uh, William Hill apparently did, though. Uh, that's yeah. not so good. Um, my only other note here. Uh, wow, what a great result for the Pennsylvania sports books uh, and for most sports books in general. It seems that the overhitting was bad for most of them, but the Chiefs winning was good for the books and just amazingly good in Pennsylvania. I mean, is there any possible conclusion to draw other than that the ref who called holding was on the sports books payroll? Oh, come on. <laughs> nice work, Donahue. By the way, one other thing real quick. Uh-huh. Uh, we're, worth noting, and obviously, you know, the re- you, know you, you can't, like, bank on results like this, but, like, you remember that, that line opened up at circa minus two and a half on the Chiefs right, and everyone right. poo-pooed it? Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they, that, that's two weeks in a row with these Chiefs lines that the opening line was pretty much dead on and then it yep. moved to be not so dead on. Yep. All right. Our third story this week takes us to Ohio, which legalized sports betting in 2021, launched it about six weeks ago. And now the governor wants a do over. Uh, governor Mike DeWine recently released his annual budget and he slipped into it a proposal to double Ohio's sports betting tax rate from 10% to 20%. In terms of comparisons to border states, uh, Pennsylvania has an extremely high 36% rate, while Indiana, Michigan, and West Virginia are all at 10% or below. Opinions vary on what the proper tax rate is for a sustainable industry that also provides significant revenue to the state. One thing setting Ohio apart so far is a propensity to fine operators for breaking its strict marketing rules, which has thus far provided some extra money for Ohio and its commission. In any case, this is a quick move from DeWine to try to up the state's take without having given the market much time to settle in yet. Jeff, can you see it succeeding? And if it does, does this open the floodgates for other states to amend their sports betting tax rates after the fact? I mean, it could certainly succeed. I mean, DeWine and both, you know, chambers of the, uh, you know, the, you know, the Ohio government there are, you know, they're all the same party. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's notable is that they're all Republicans. 
Uh, Republicans aren't usually known for wanting to raise tax rates on businesses, but you know, I don't know, something, something's, something in the water maybe out there. I don't know. Uh, does it? So yeah, I guess it could conceivably pass. Will it open floodgates? I mean, I guess I could see some legislators saying, hey, you know, maybe we're too low. But if I were the industry, I would just come back to them and say, just legalize iCasino and tax us out the wazoo for that and everything's right. fine. Yeah, that that would certainly be an alternative to raising these sports betting tax rates. But I I would think if this passes, some other states are going to try to to follow suit. Um, I'm not typically in the business of feeling sympathy for sportsbook operators, but it does seem some states are going out of their way to make it hard for a lot of them to make money. The states are squeezing out all the tax dollars they can and, and cutting the profit margins. And if you're a smaller book that set up shop in a state like Ohio, knowing that a 10% tax rate worked for you, and now suddenly they're going to change to 20% and you don't know if you can still be profitable, that's just not right. There, there should be some sort of line drawn on, on how quickly a state can change its laws like this. Like, I don't know, after two years, you want to revisit, okay, but we're talking less than two months here. Uh, I, I really hope this proposal doesn't go anywhere. I think it would set a bad precedent, and um, yeah, sorry if that makes me seem like a sportsbook apologist or something, but I kind of think you agreed to a 10% tax rate. You, you got to leave that locked in for a little while. Yeah. No, I I, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to... Honestly, I mean, if they start... You know, I want to... See, let's see what happens with New York, right? All these sportsbooks right. wanted to be in New York... But now, like, you know, who has the money to spend in New York when you're getting hit with this tax rate? So, you know, is I, I do worry that New York is going to see, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to hold on to all the sports books, right? Yeah, I mean, I certainly expect that with, well, they have nine right now that, that they will start dropping off. And, uh, yeah, I mean, FanDuel seems to be doing fine wherever it is. But uh, pretty much any other sports book operating in any state, is it's questionable just how uh, just how long they'll be around. Well, right. I mean, you know, FanDuel has the benefit of having, you know, this worldwide operation, right? Compared right. to, like, a, say, a DraftKings, which is, you know, really just U.S.-based. Right. I mean, there are other ones that have the international operation. I think it's on, to on top of everything. It's that, uh, you know, FanDuel and DraftKings got the jump on everybody else. And then FanDuel really got the jump with the whole uh, same game parlay idea that, that just locks them yeah. into much higher profit margins than everyone, everyone else has tried to follow. But uh they're just not they do do it best the they, they do do it best to be yep. fair yeah. uh okay uh moving on uh we have a fourth news story this week since we initially prepared three and then adabo dropped his bill uh so uh governor dewine isn't the only politician who wants to change the laws paul tonko a congressman from new york introduced a bill in the house last week that if passed would ban all sports betting advertising on the internet, on TV, or on radio. Uh, this is a, a federal thing. It's called the Betting on Our Future Act, and it's modeled after the Federal Cigarette Labeling and Advertising Act of 1966. In 2018, the federal government tried to get involved in sports betting lawmaking with the Sports Wagering Market Integrity Act from Senators Chuck Schumer and Orrin Hatch, which would have given the Attorney General oversight of individual states' regulations, but that didn't get out of committee. With that in mind, conventional wisdom on Tonko's bill seems to be this is potentially disastrous legislation for our industry, but it seems an extreme long shot to go anywhere. Is that how you see it, Jeff? And uh, what are you and I going to do for a living if this passes? Yeah, I, it's not going to pass. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm happy I'm to not, hear you say that. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, you know. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, Congress is a little split these days. Uh, <laughs> right. it's, it, it's hard. It's hard to get much legislation through. I, I doubt this is going to be, you know, 
top of mind for anybody. Uh, you know, I'm glad that, you know, uh, Tonko has, you know, solved the rest of the country's ills um, <laughs> and she's fit to, you know, spend time doing this. Um, having said all that, the industry should probably wise up a bit. And, you know, the, do we need to be running, you know, all of the advertising? Like, can we at least stick to, I don't know. I If you're going to sign up for a sportsbook account, like in New Jersey, for instance, uh-huh. I don't think you're doing it today, some five years later, because of an ad you see on the side of a New Jersey transit bus or, you know, on a general interest radio station. You follow what I'm saying? Like, the ship sailed. Like, we've done it already. Like, it, it, this is, I don't know. It's, I, I'm, I'm in New Jersey. Uh-huh. We are the most mature market when it comes right. to online sports betting. I cannot escape sportsbook advertising. Like, right. who's still signing up at this point? Right. Yeah, I mean, at, at this point, if are there some books that you don't have an account with yet that if they came out with a big sign up offer, you would still jump on board, or have you literally used up sign up offers at every book operating in New Jersey at this point? Yeah, I've used up sign up offers okay. on all of them, but okay. the smaller ones aren't advertising. It's all you know, right. it's all FanDuel, Caesars, DraftKings, you right. know, for the most part. And 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 to your eyes, the advertising has not really tapered off at all since the since 28 where it was in 2018 well hard to say now that i'm uh, you know obviously working in the industry it's like you know it's like when you buy a toyota it's like holy crap there's a lot of toyotas on the road (laughs) right right so so i'm you know definitely paying more attention but like it's it's everywhere still right yeah i mean that's that's a good observation that i'm not sure if they're getting much bang for their buck at this point um this legislation you know it's one of those things where i am 99 percent sure that it'll go nowhere but that one percent it's kind of scary to the part of me that likes having a job. Um, I don't know how passionate Tonko even is about passing this, or if this is just a case of a bunch of his buddies have complained about all these damn sports betting ads. So he's earning points by pretending to try to do something about it. Um, I guess if we're going to end up in a place where there are limitations on gambling ads, you know, they can't appear in certain programming at certain times a day, or they they can only run so many times a day, or, um, you know, what we're currently seeing about the risk-free wording getting banned. I think that's all fine. I think restrictions would be sensible, but fully banning advertising for a legal regulated activity, that's preposterous. Um, if, If you're not banning beer ads, I don't see how you can ban sportsbook ads. And if the problem is, my God, they're everywhere. They're so annoying. So we have to ban them. Then you better freaking ban political advertisements because nothing is more annoying than those. Um, So bottom line, this is stupid and an overreaction. And and I'm pretty sure it'll go nowhere. But uh, that doesn't mean I'm not at least a teeny bit nervous about all this. Yeah, I overall, and I, you know, and I wrote about something similar this week also. I, I, I'm not like, you know, don't tread on me, you know, invade the capital kind of guy in any right. respect. <laughs> Good. But Glad I, to hear I, that. <laughs> I am like, I, I am growing increasingly concerned with the government, with, when the people, capital P, legalize something through their government, through their elected officials, mm-hmm. right? And then the government then doubles back and says, well, but, 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 and but. You know what I mean? Like, just leave me alone. It's legal. Leave me alone. That's right. I'm I'm, I'm with you. And uh, government, if you're listening, stay the hell out of this podcast. Yeah. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview.
Newsflash. Sports gambling is very much a male-dominated industry. Some in the business have made efforts to achieve better balance there, but frankly, we at Gamble On have been part of the problem. We haven't interviewed female guests on the show nearly often enough. But we're taking a small step in the right direction this week as we welcome Cypher Sports COO and co-founder Katie Proud to talk about the gender imbalance in the industry, her personal experiences related to that, and much more. Uh, Katie, all the way from Australia via the magic of the internet, welcome to Gamble On. Thanks, Eric, for having me. And Jeff, I really appreciate it. Nice to be here. Yeah, very nice to have you. So before we dive into the, the main topic, gender diversity in sports betting, Tell us a bit about Cypher Sports. How did the company come to be? What exactly does Cypher provide? And to what extent are you now working with American companies? Um, so Cypher Sports Technology Group is um, a bit of a, a child that came from a, a company that I originally founded with my business partner, Dara Woodford. Uh, it was called Hypometer Technologies. Uh, and then our other two business partners, Nick Slade and Adam Fisk, uh, started a company called iRival Media. Uh, we were both operating. Um, they were kind of focused on the US market. We've been focused on the Australian market. Uh, and we have kind of over the last couple of years launched Dimers.com into the US uh, together and had a lot of success there and um, yeah, ultimately merged our businesses. So uh, that's that's a little bit of background. Um, Cypher itself is a sports betting um, and data company. So um, we are particularly focused on bringing really, um, you know, intelligent content to sports fans in the US uh, to make sports betting uh, accessible and um, and more bettable ultimately. So we provide uh, customer-facing tools um, and brands, content, predictions. Uh, we match our predictions against odds to find an edge against the sports book uh, or the bookie, as you call it in Australia. And uh, and we kind of aim to be, you know, one of the bigger players in the U.S. space over the next couple of years uh, with our B2B and our B2C products. OK, so like when we hear the word data here, often we think of some of the, the companies like uh, Sport Radar and, and, and companies like that that provide uh, data feeds to the, the sports book. So, so this is this is something different than those those types of companies that our audience may be familiar with. Yeah, so um, we work with SportRadar and another other other data provider companies. Uh, we'll ingest that data and then we'll process it ourselves. Uh, we run machine learning models uh, taking, let's say, 35 years of NFL data. Uh, we'll find kind of the important factors uh, that are critical in predicting the potential outcome. And, um, you know, historical data is not necessarily a predictor of future outcome. So what we uh, what we really specialize in is predictions, uh, and you know obviously there's player correlations. We take in team and injury news, um, and we've got our team of data scientists back here in Australia who are constantly updating those models. Um, learning machine learning obviously uh, learns over time what factors are important. There's home team, there's away team, uh, all kinds of things that go into that, and we're all a bunch of sports nuts. Uh, so. While it's, uh, you know, we believe that data is, is overly critical, there's obviously some human input there. Um, and, yeah, that, that this, you know, following models in this way, over, over time you should basically gain long-term by betting on our predictions. 
So, you know, in the last few minutes, I've been quiet. I've been running some simulations <laughs> and predictions myself. And my, my data is showing me that it's 100% factual that you are indeed a woman. Um, and so <laughs> my, my question here is, you know, what's your experience been in this, like, definitely male-dominated industry? Has it been, like, more or less difficult or maddening or enlightening than you had m- maybe imagined to, when you got into it? Uh, I've, I've received overwhelming respect um and camaraderie for the for the most part um uh, you know a handful of maybe disrespectful situations that I've come across and potentially there's things that are said behind my back when I walk out of the room or um get off a call but look I think I've been doing this for 10 years or so now um and I absolutely love working in a male-dominated industry, I get to come across a few women um, in my time and some really amazing ones who really know their stuff. Um, but, you know, I'm acutely aware of um, people's surprise probably when they find out what I do or, um, you know, what I've been doing and what I'm working on in a day-to-day and they just can't imagine it. Um, but, but yeah, for, for the most part, learning about sports betting has obviously been incredibly interesting and uh, I'm very excited about the space. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, you know, that me working in this, I hope that it just encourages other people to do the same. Um, and look, as, 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 um, as employers, it's really important that we don't consider um, the, first, the first person, um, that we kind of make a special effort to look at the the female applicants and try a little bit harder um, and convince them to come to the business. And, um, yeah, you know, as employers as well, we find that we don't, you know, one in 10 or 20, maybe 30 applicants will be female. Uh, So it's um, obviously looking for the best person for the role, but trying trying because you know that it's a a male-dominated industry to look at the credentials of female applicants. You know, I, I was I was going to ask you sort of a two pronged question, but but you sort of addressed one prong of it, which I was going to ask, you know, what can or should the industry be doing differently to attract more women? And and you sort of uh, touched on in terms of the, the hiring perspective, bringing them into the industry. Um, but I'm I'm also curious just in terms of attracting more women as customers and being more welcoming to them. Are there things that you see changes that should be made? within the sports betting industry to make it feel more welcoming to, to female gamblers? Um, I mean, I think that there's a lot of education that can be done. So uh, gambling is a little bit taboo in the US, uh, a little bit more than Australia, and especially in regu- unregulated states or states that are just becoming regulated. Um, there can be a little bit of a... Um, it, it, it was illegal, right? So online sports betting was illegal. So there is naturally a, a taboo there. So educating around um, the fact that, you know, if you love sport, and I know a lot of women in the US absolutely love sport. I think that's the biggest following the NFL um, is women there. So, you know, not, don't necessarily need to make things pink, um, but just <laughs> but just educate, um, obviously using female talent, uh, writers, influences in um in social media and and uh, trying a little bit harder of course to yeah employ employ women where possible um particularly in roles that aren't just you know administrative kind of roles um in terms of getting people onto onto platform 
uh, I think that 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 we have seen a a, a fairly significant female user base, uh, but it would be um, it would be pretty common, I would say, to use bold and flashy and really sporty male-driven content and, um, you know, and creative and everything like that at the moment. So I guess just considering the whole market because there is 50% of the market there that is really worth tapping into. Right. Well, it's interesting you mentioning the hiring women to do sort of the social media type promotion uh, that we see. In a lot of cases, I think one might say that these women have a particular look. A lot of them are hired um, that that will look attractive in addition to hopefully giving out good betting information. Is there maybe a little too much reliance uh, on that? Or is it just sort of, look, if you can find someone who is both attractive and knowledgeable about sports, that's the perfect person to hire for the, for a social media type position like that. Isn't, isn't that how I got this, this, this job? <laughs> yes, yes. You were hired for your looks, but that was a long time ago. The, the, they faded <laughs> a little bit, Jack. <laughs> um. I think if you're hiring a woman uh, for her looks in terms of talent, then you're probably still gearing towards a male audience. Right. Um, and so I I think that, yeah, you know, hire on ability to do the job and credentials, um, not looks. And, um, and there are a lot of amazing women out there who know their stuff. I won't swear, but who <laughs> know that stuff and and um, have a lot of really cool things to say about sport. And, um, and yeah, I think just kind of looking to those people and, and making a concerted effort to hire those people can ultimately move the needle. All right. I got a silly question, although it is one I am legitimately interested in and I don't get to talk to someone from Australia every day. How come, and I'm dead serious here, how come Australian rules football which I won't begin to pretend to firmly understand despite spending hours watching it on ESPN as a kid because that and bull riding on seemed like all the time. And I played some DFS, you know, Australian rules football during, you know, when the American sports weren't back on the field yet. No idea what I was doing there either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but why is it caught on outside of Australia? I mean, it seems like a perfectly fine sport for American audiences. A lot of, it's quick. It's a- action packed. They're hitting each other. I don't understand why it hasn't caught on. I mean, is, is there an Australian rules football, you know, uh, booster group that can, you know, bring it here? You know, I'll help out. <laughs> oh, yeah. We 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 cover Australian rules football extensively uh, in Australia. And uh, we have an Australian brand called statsinsider.com.au. And, um, and we have a huge audience here who follow our predictions. Um Interestingly, in the in Australia, only one state. So we're made up of you know a number of states, kind of like the US. Um, I live in Victoria, and in Victoria, uh, Aussie rules is huge, and everyone follows it here. Even um, you know, two two states north, they've only got kind of one team each, and mm. it's not as big because there's um, NRL, which is kind of like rugby. So. Um, it, it hasn't even like kind of expanded out of here, but look, it's a great game and it's an awesome game for betting on because there is so much data, kind of like the NBA. Uh, there's multitudes of data and, um, and and it's been awesome for daily fantasy sports, like you say. So um, I've seen it pop up. I think I've seen it on DraftKings. I've seen it on FanDuel and we've, we've considered bringing predictions in the US. I think if we 
maybe we can be the leaders there and and stick it on there and we can drive a little bit more betting turnover in the US for AFL. Um, we'll see. But look, it's a it's a great opportunity. I think um, you know, sports bet in Australia pays $15 million a year to be the official partner, uh, betting partner of the AFL here. So it's uh it's absolutely massive here. I can see it, I could see it trickling through, but maybe it's time zones, Jeff. Um <laughs> Well, let's and, get a, let's let's get a league here. Let's get a couple of teams in America cooking. Yeah, yeah. I don't once, see why once I not. Fi- once I figure out the rules, I'll I'll volunteer myself as GM. I like the guy <laughs> that that comes out in the field and does this. The ref does this. Yeah. I like that. I like what's, that guy. Yeah. What's crazy about AFL is like if you miss the the goalposts um, and you get it kind of either side of the goalpost, you still get a point. So if you, so it's, it's kind of like a close. consolation prize. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. The uh, the Dallas Cowboys kicker could have used that rule in in recent indeed. weeks. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this, this has been uh, very uh, interesting. Great talking to you, Katie. Um, where should listeners go to learn more about you or or about Cipher Sports? Um, so you can head to cyphersports.io. We've got a, a number of awesome B two B products there. So uh, we've got embeddable widgets, um, an API product. Uh, so we'd love to talk to partners and work on ways that we can kind of get together. Yeah, just keep following our story. We'll be in the we'll be in the US a lot this year, uh, the multiple conferences and and things around. So yeah, we're looking forward to a very exciting year for the company. Two men. Two men. Ten thousand dollars. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. Let's update our betting bankroll, and there is a lot to update. We had 16 bets graded last week. Um, I'll try my best to run through these quickly, but uh, Captain Jack, uh, if you're listening. Yeah, I'm just going to use the bathroom real quick. Yeah, you do that. You come back, uh, and I'll still probably be talking. And I was gonna, I was gonna say, Captain Jack, uh, you may want to bump it up from 1.5x to 2x until I get through <laughs> these. Um, so first, I had a futures bet on the Brooklyn Nets, quote unquote, big three: Durant, Kyrie, and Simmons, under 43 and a half games together. Even after Kyrie was traded and then Durant was traded, I, I thought that it might have to wait to make sure the Nets played 82 games before it got graded. But nope, I, I bet it in real life at DraftKings and they graded it a few days ago. So we won $150 there. Uh, NFL awards. My 20 bucks on Trevor Lawrence for NFL MVP at 80 to 1 is officially gone. You got Hertz for MVP late in the season at plus 425. That lost $50. I also lost $100 on Jared Goff for Comeback Player of the Year, but I made that 100 back on Garrett Wilson for Offensive Rookie of the Year, the closest vote of any award. He, uh, he eked that one out over Kenny Walker. On to our Super Bowl bets. I had three bets that I placed two weeks ago, and they all lost. Uh, Goddard, anytime touchdown, cost us 80 bucks. Boston Scott, anytime touchdown, cost us 40 And over two and a half players to attempt to pass. Nope, uh, lost $100 on that. You got a nice winner two weeks ago, pouncing on the Chiefs at plus 110 on the money line. You uh, won $220 on a $200 wager. We had a whole bunch of same-game parlays. You had Chiefs to win plus two Kelsey touchdowns. We fell one Kelsey touchdown short. That lost $100. But you only needed one Kelsey touchdown in the parlay of Hertz, Kelsey, and A.J. Brown to score because he's due. 
uh, was uh, your reasoning there. And uh, indeed, he was due. Uh, that one hit. Uh, great win there. Plus 812 odds. Won $406 on a $50 bet. You also had a seven-leg parlay at over 200 to 1 for $7 that uh, I believe just two of the seven legs hit. No need to go into the details. Uh, this one that I had, though, was a heartbreaker. I took a 100 to 1 shot on Hertz to score the first touchdown, which hit. Kelsey anytime touchdown hit. Kadarius Tony under 29 and a half receiving yards hit. We just needed a Dallas Goddard touchdown and didn't get it. So we lost $15 instead of winning $1,500. Mm. A few more. Uh, I had a nice win on Eagles to lead at half and Chiefs to win in regulation. The ultimate emotional hedge bet, which unfortunately came true. Uh, I guess I should have bet more on it. I only risked 20 bucks. We won 130 Blue Gatorade. Uh, nope, it was purple. $25 gone on that one. And lastly, I tried a cross-sport prop. Kelsey catches greater than goals scored in the Canadians-Oilers game. Uh, they went over my expectation with eight goals, and Kelsey only had six catches, so we lost $115. Before I total it up, uh, Jeff, anything you'd like to comment on? Yeah, I mean, you had a note that I, that I only hit two legs in the seventh, seven, seven leg thing. I mean, you know, are you a little jealous, you know, because I hit two consecutive plus 1,000 or more column parlays, you know? <laughs> I am jealous. Yeah, you want to talk a little? You want to go into some details on those parlays or the one? They're, the, they're, they're pretty much the same back to back. It was like Travis Kelsey, J- Jalen Hurts to score touchdowns uh-huh. and, uh, you know, the Chiefs to win. And I think I had an over, you know, I mean, they, they weren't brain surgery, you know. I was like, you know, I was like kind of play the play the best plays parlays and they they hit, which is good because I I had been an offer in my column picking parlays all year. This got me not only into the win column, but into the positive money column. So, yeah, I was I was going to say all season long was like, as long as I hit one or two of these, uh, yep. we win for the season. And then you were like, <laughs> oh, for the first 20 weeks and then uh, and then the last two hits. So uh, you just got to. The, the 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 lesson is no matter how much losing you do, just keep betting. Uh, yes. Or as Kenny Powers once said, if at first you don't succeed, maybe you suck. <laughs> Something to that effect. So, all right. Uh, all right. Uh, so for the week, we won $354. So we're now down by a mere $1,042. Not bad. The uh, the Edelstein era of the podcast has been undeniably fake profitable. Uh, we now have $690 on hold in futures bets, uh, mostly on the Oscars. So that leaves us with $8,268 available to bet with this week. And we're going to keep doing three bets a piece like we did last week. And uh, I'm up first. And uh, I, I whined a bit earlier in the pod about being a tortured Philadelphia sports fan. It's all relative, I know. Uh, but Philly is in the midst of a historic year. Phillies lost in the World Series. Eagles lost the Super Bowl. MLS Cup, the Philadelphia Union lost to L.A. in the finals. And even the USFL season that ended in July, the Philadelphia Stars reached the finals and lost. Um, so sort of like saying A.J. Brown is going to score a touchdown because he's due. Uh, this just feels like funky juju at play here. Maybe Philly isn't done finishing runner-up yet. Why can't the Sixers make the finals and then lose to Phoenix or Denver or Golden State or whoever? Uh, now, do I really believe this year will be different for this Sixers team that has never gotten past the second round of the playoffs? No, not really. They, they look like a team built to win one round of the playoffs and then lose to Boston or Milwaukee. But the odds are attractive. Uh, FanDuel has the Sixers at plus 650 to win the East. They're rolling into the All-Star break at 38-19. and 19. They're a legit good team. 
maybe they can finally deliver in the playoffs and then lose in the finals, of course. Uh, but at plus 650, I, I think it's a decent bet, regardless of the nonsensical runner-up trend. So let's bet $50 to win 325 that the Sixers win the East this year. All right. I like it. You're not going to like this one. Uh, this is going to be a $50 four-team tease uh, mm-hmm. at Caesars, plus 200 to win 150 Okay. All right. I am going. I'm adding seven points instead of six. Wait, it's it's fifty dollars at plus two hundred. So to uh, so return wins a hundred, yeah, returns yeah, one fifty. Okay. Yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah, just yeah. wanted to clarify. Okay. Go ahead. What are the what's the, what are the legs? At seven points, I'm taking instead of okay. six on each one. I'm oh. taking the under in all four XFL games this weekend. <laughs> Vipers okay. Renegades under 44 and a half. Guardians Roughnecks under 43 and a half. Battlehawks Brahmas under 43 and a half. Sea Dragons Defenders under 43 and a half. You have no idea if any of those names are real. The numbers <laughs> are. And I'm taking the under in all of them. The idea being that it, you know, it's going to take some time for these teams to gel. Uh, last year in the USFL, like the unders were hitting like left and right. All of these opened up at like 39, 39 and a half. They've all been bet down already to like 36 and change. So uh, I'm going to tease them all the way back up and hope they all come under. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what. It's not that I don't like the bet. You said I wasn't going to like it. I just have no idea what to make of it. I'll, I'll let you know next week, I guess, if I like it. <laughs> um, all right. So my next bet is another NBA bet, but it's not a futures bet. It's on the all-star game. The teams haven't been drafted yet. It's uh, it's Team LeBron versus Team Giannis. So all we know is one player on each team. And Team LeBron is listed as a favorite. Uh, I can get uh, as high as plus 108 on Team Giannis. Uh, this is like getting plus 108 on the Super Bowl coin flip. Hmm. You get plus odds on a coin flip, you bet it every time, right? Uh, yeah. The All-Star game is silly. Nobody plays any defense till the end. So it's kind of like a coin flip on top of a coin flip, but... I see no reason to believe Team Giannis should have the inferior roster, so uh, let's bet $100 to win 108 on the underdog. That's that's sharp. I mean, that's a sharp bet. In theory. Yeah. Uh, Sharper than my XFL under tease. (laughs) Not in theory. Uh, Low bar there. Very low Low bar. bar. All right. They've already teed off, but I'm I'm in for Tony Fee now at plus 1,600 to win the Genesis this weekend. Mm -hmm. So let's put 20 on that to win. Let's put another 10 to finish top 10. Uh, rationale, as always, when it comes to my golf picks, fell asleep to his, my podcast, and I heard his name once or twice. <laughs> so ten, so 20 to win at 16 to 1, and just $10 on the top 10. What's the, yeah. what's the price oh, there? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, plus 170. Okay. All right. That's so just, it's my little just hedge. A little, just little a little hedge. Okay. Yeah. Get a little something back. Okay. Um, so my last bet this week, or, or bets, really, uh, I will go to boxing. Friday night, there's a Showtime Showbox card. This is the series that features prospects, usually evenly matched against other prospects. In the main event, I slightly favor Ardreal Holmes to defeat Ismail Villarreal. The sportsbook slightly favor Villarreal. Uh, it's like a minus 126 against a minus 102. Uh, but the price that I like is on Holmes, specifically by decision. That's plus 210. So let's bet $80 to win 168 on that. And then I was thinking... I was looking at a draw pays 18 to one. This could be real close. That's a good price. May as well put $10 on the draw too. And then I looked at the pricing on the other two fights on the card. Nobody is more than the minus 200 favorite anywhere on this card. These are all even fights on paper. And yet for each fight, FanDuel has the draw at plus 1800. And I think there's draw potential in all of these. So 
what the hell, let's do $10 on the draw in each of the three fights. So I'm risking $110 total on the card. 80 on Holmes by decision, $10 on each draw. All right. I like it. Uh, I'm going back to the Oscars for my last one. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no need to apologize. If, if, now if you time. see value, you got to bet it. I got value. Now's the time to start paying attention, right? Because now the other award shows are coming through. This weekend is the Directors Guild, mm-hmm. uh, I believe on Saturday. And then Sunday is the BAFTAs, like the British Oscars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spielberg, I th- I, I, he's plus 175. I think it's a points bet. I forgot to write down which one. But I, anywhere from plus 105 to plus 175, I saw him. So I think this one's at Caesars for plus 175 for best director. Uh, if he wins the Directors Guild Award then I think he's going to be become the favorite again. Right now, the Daniels are the favorite for everything everywhere, but everything everywhere is literally everywhere. Uh, lead, you know, <laughs> you know they're right. the favorite in every category. I, I, I don't see them sweeping the Oscars, you know, and like I could see like backlash, a little brewing. I don't know. The point is, if you're, if you're betting the Oscars, now is the time to start paying attention because these other award shows usually have massive, massive, massive effects on the Oscars betting market. At this time last year, and I've mentioned this before, uh, Coda was 20 to 1 to win Best Picture, right? And we all know how that ended. Uh, I couldn't start winning other awards. So, you know, Oscar voting has not even started. They haven't even voted. You know, they don't start voting yet. But, you know, they just know know the nominees. So now they're really going to start paying attention. And if you're interested in these markets, they are going to swing wildly over the next few weeks. So expect more bets from me is, the, is basically what I'm trying to say. But yeah, Spielberg 175. Give me a hundred bucks. Okay. Uh, and I'm uh, I'm slightly offended that you had to uh, explain to me what the BAFTAs are. I'll have you know that my brother and mother have been to the BAFTAs and were famously uh, captured in a screenshot over the shoulder of Bradley Cooper. So uh, just uh, just back off with your BAFTA defining for me, okay? I I wasn't trying to you know mansplain it. I was just and in case <laughs> others in the audience might not be familiar, you know, sorry, didn't mean to offend. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I suppose it makes some sense to gear the show toward the listeners and not just toward me. I guess. Sure, sure, right. sure. Uh, and that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to this week's guest, Katie Proud. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, it's time for parting thoughts. And there's an unofficial rule in the Gamble On Constitution that if your team loses the Super Bowl in part because a referee denied them their rightful opportunity to win the game, you get the final word on that week's podcast. So, uh, Jeff, I'm, I'm stealing the closing rant from you this week. And look, it's no secret that the NFL is scripted. You ranted about it just a couple of weeks ago, Jeff. It was determined before the season even began that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl this year. I'm okay with the NFL being scripted, but good Lord, Roger Goodell, hire some better script writers for next year. This was worse than the last couple of episodes of Game of Thrones. This was worse than DiCaprio at the end of Titanic deciding the door can't fit two people without even trying it out. Tie game, 35-35, two minutes to go. Incomplete pass on third and eight to set up the dream scenario of one team trailing by three under two minutes, one timeout. We could get overtime. We could get a classic defensive stand. We could get a dramatic game-winning touchdown. But the script calls for a referee to throw a flag on some standard everyday light contact, effectively ending the game with two minutes to go. That's awful writing. 
And it's not realistic either. What referee would ever make that call in that spot? I'm not buying it. I'm angry. Not as an Eagles fan, but as a consumer of content. Uh, but at least the NFL script writers aren't writing this closing rant. Because if they were, they probably wouldn't even know to end it with the words, gamble on. <laughs>